What is up, everybody? Welcome to Thoughts from the Shade. I'm G, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Bomb, here on episode one shortly, where we talk some golf, we cover some Phillies and Eagles, and round it out with the recent Evander Kane allegations. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Let's go. Episode one. Been a long time coming. Bomb. What's new? What's exciting? How was your weekend? What do you got for me? Well, not a whole lot new. Not a whole lot exciting. Um, Sunday, a little bit of a washout, so wasn't able to get out on the golf course with you. But excited about golf tech tomorrow. Getting a uh, getting a lesson in. So uh, pumped about trying to uh, to turn around this catastrophic golf game. So we're we're twenty thirty seconds in, and you're you're spitting off a free ad for for Golf Tech, but so it is you must, what it is. You must be pretty confident of their uh, services. We're gonna find out tomorrow. It's a big project. It's a it's a huge investment. It's a big project. You know, I'm gonna go over and tell Tyler Penny Packer tomorrow at Willie Grove that really that Willow Grove that really this is uh, <laughs> this is his full time job moving forward. I don't want to hear about other clients. He's got to so, get the driver dialed in. Reconstruct bomb. That's right. Well, that's exciting. We both we both need the help. I'm too cheap to to go get it, but I'm proud <laughs> of you and look, looking forward to seeing seeing how it pans out. I guess what 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 led led to you going to golf tech is you're all you're off your surgery in December. Came back to playing in. What May June we got our first eighteen in. Yep, and uh, we we both competed in the the flighted championship this month at or last month now that it's July uh, over at Lulu, and that was that was an interesting experience. Uh, being the bums that we are, we rounded out flights thirteen and seventeen at the club. Is that right? Unfortunately, that is correct. <laughs> So I think it's uh, I think it's funny because most of the young guys are like in the you know first couple flights sub ten handicaps and we're sitting in the teens or low twenties and we're we're stacked up against all these old men but whatever it was a good time it was humbling to say the least <laughs> <laughs> humbling to say the least yeah why don't you uh, you you had a little more success than I did I played in a, I played a I believe he was 67 or 60 or 68 year old fella, you know, with a, with a similar handicap to me, uh, it was a good match. You know, I play 60 to 80 rounds of golf a year and I play you for money. I play, you know, friends for money. There's always a match money game going. And, and then I get on the first tee with, you know, with an old man and, and the nerves kicked in. I, I hit the fairway <laughs> with the first drive and then, uh, you know, the number of shanks came out on the, the next few holes and found myself down, but settled in, I guess, and played my, my bogey golf and battled back. I was in the match. I made it competitive. That was like my whole goal for the thing it was like, let's just not get completely dusted by the elderly out here. So we got to 15 and I was down two. I won 16, 17. I think with two pars, which is big. Got to 18 and put my drive in, in another hole's fairway. And that's all she wrote. So that was it for me. I was eliminated in round one of my eight-man eight flight. Like you said, humbling experience. But it was nice to see the guy that beat me went on to win the flight. So I took him to 18. And does that make me sleep any better at night? I don't think so. But, you know, we... Uh, we take the small wins out here. Uh, well, the good news is for you, you invested only one round in the flight. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you were in and out. It was a valiant effort, but you were, you know, you're done. It's not like there were, the, you know, these grand hopes that were built up. Yeah, I guess the, the, the tough part was 
us being in in the later flights or the higher flights, or as we like to call them, the the bum flights, all of our friends that are actually players, we're already in the clubhouse, you know, post round, and, and most of the guys that I know played well and won their match, and then I'm pulling up with, you know, the old man, and everybody's looking at me, thumbs up, thumbs down, and it's it hurts to give the thumbs down when the boys are like five beers in, everybody's yucking it up in the clubhouse, and. <laughs> I'm doing the walk of the shame up the stairs. I um, rolled my guy in in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I was a little luckier in round one than you. But needless to say, not not a good not a good effort in the tournament overall. You know, one one round one, one round two against uh, two guys that combined for an age of 159. <laughs> and my final round was against a uh, a gentleman by the name of Manny. Great guy. And uh, let me tell you something, steady as they come, just bang that little driver right down the middle. Got some rollout, course was dry, played to his game, and uh, came in in the championship round tied on 17, and Manny made a bogey, and, and Bob made an eight. And uh, he hoisted the uh, the cup. That's that's a tough time to make an eight. Um, but we, we've got plenty of them out there, so. It happens. Um, and was was this was this fellow an older man as well that you played in the final? Eighty-one years old. Okay. Fifty years between us, and he beat me like a drum. Now your your thought process, attitude going in was, hey, I'm in this flight because I got shoulder surgery in December. You know, worked through a tough rehab. You know, months of rehab, and uh, you know, I'm just gonna play a little competitive golf, but. You know, little did you know, you were going up against some some folks that that had some some reconstructive work done as well. Can you talk about that at all? Yeah, it was an absolute dogfight uh, <laughs> in the last round. There, the first two rounds, the first two rounds, uh, first round I won four and three, second round I won seven and six. So, or no, it might have been five and four. So, closed these guys out relatively relatively early. Meanwhile, my opponent played a, a full seven hole playoff. In his semifinal match, you know, nerves of steel knocking in par putts to, you know, have the hole and move on to the next hole where he finally, he finally pulled it out after seven playoff holes. And ultimately that type of, you know, battle testing that he had done that weekend, uh, you know, it it helped him. Um, I wasn't battle tested. I thought I could cruise. Uh, Didn't even hit the range the week of the championship match. Um as I understand, Manny had an orthopedics appointment uh, earlier that week for a sore back. I really thought I was gonna gonna wake up and get up early and just uh, you know keep keep the foot on the neck, so to speak. And it just, it just never happened. You thought you were just gonna booby miles it? Oh yeah, just just show up and, and get the job done. Show up and get the job done. All I had to do was get there. I thought you know I'd go up one, go up two, and that'd be all she wrote. But Manny went up uh, on the first hole. And uh, I was scrapping and clawing the rest of the day. That's a shame. But overall, good experience, right? Great guys. You know, that's the thing, too. Uh, you know, no matter who you're playing against, it's all about the camaraderie. And uh, really enjoyed the, uh, you know, enjoyed playing with the fellas. Yeah, just being out there, being a guy, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I'll just say, I mean, the thing that really prompted the golf tech appointment was that uh, that final round against Manny where, you know, I'm hitting a, a drive about, you know, 215 yards, um, you know, tee tee to, tee to the ball. Uh, granted, it's probably going 270 with like 60 or 70 yards of slice. And my man Manny's just pumping out straight liners, rolling out past my ball. And it was at that point I knew I just need some sort of professional assistance here. So you're getting uh, out driven by Manny. I was getting out driven by a gentleman who is 81 years old. And uh, give him credit, man. Just squared it up, played his game. I'm trying to muscle it out there, but you know, the more you muscle, the more it more it turns. G. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just struggling. Because whenever I'm on the golf course, I'm struggling. But I'm struggling to understand how an 81-year-old guy can drive the ball like 230 yards, but he's what, like a 23 handicap? Like well, the- I don't, he wasn't hit. He wasn't hitting it maybe 230. I'd say maybe 
200 consistently, you know? Okay. Um, and you got to remember too, you know, off the tee, he's obviously getting that, getting that distance on the rollout, but you know, it's not like he's reaching the green in two. Right. So, um, you know, he's generally playing that ball up the fairway again with a little hybrid and then trying to get, um, trying to get on the green at three and up and down for bogey. So, I mean, I think, you know, his kind of game obviously is bogey golf. That sounds like my game, but I feel like there's like older guys that are just short and straight. I guess they just have less blow ups. I don't know. They don't blow up. They don't two chip. Um, you know, they, they get it to where they're putting and they don't three putt. That's it. Yeah, I played with a guy in an event, and he was he, he had to be over 70 years old. He was like a lanky old guy, but he was like a two-handicap. He was our A guy in the event, and he was – I think he shot even par, like one or two over. And it's just like, man, I feel like I could play this game for another 40 years and never even sniff playing golf like that. If you could pick any, like, sports accomplishment, you know, would would it be – or any ability, would it be the ability to go out and shoot even par? Would it be, you know, the ability to dunk a basketball? What What would you pick? Throw a hundred mile an hour pitch? What, like, what is the sports ability that you think you would select over any other? That's tough. I mean, I, I guess you're you're talking individual, right? Like sure. An, like an individual accomplishment. Like I like I'm not going professional in uh, basketball or hockey and winning the Stanley Cup. Um, I think dunking a basketball is like, I guess it's kind of cool, but a lot of people can do it. Gas in a hundred mile an hour heater is cool, but like you just do it once. And if if you can do it and you're not in the show, then you have issues, I think. Yeah. Uh, So I think I would have to go with shooting an even round of par or, or, or breaking par or Christ breaking 80 at this point. Just being in the 70s would be dope. Yeah, and you're not you're not randomly out, you know, uh, long tossing with business colleagues. You know what I mean? Like a <laughs> hundred mile an hour fastball gives you nothing unless you're in the show. Yeah, you know, dunking a basketball gives you nothing unless you're, you know, in the NBA or, you know, on scholarship somewhere in college. So I mean, it, it's got to be, I think, for me too. Like you know, the ability to play, play even par. I mean, you, I mean, you do that with you know friends, family. I mean, just you, you're able to go out there and just share some people up. Yeah, and if you're like the stick at the at the country club, like people know who you are. They want to play with you. They want to play you for money. They want to drink with you. It opens a lot of doors, whereas if you're a guy that's a bum, nobody wants to play with you, you know? Your your, your rep is kind of low. Like, you're, you're the stiff. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're the guy that shoots a 105, or you're the guy that shanked that ball into the road. Like, or had to replace somebody's windshield. Like you're the guy that played 55 times last year and is a 20 handicap. Yeah, like you. I mean, there are those guys. Like we're not the only one of those guys, but it, that's that's not why I'm out there playing playing all those rounds and messing around on the green and the range, trying to hone something in. That's that's not the goal. It's pathetic and really. I mean, it comes back to kind of the lesson thing, like. You know, I've done everything I can with my, you know, God-given ability at this point, and uh, <laughs> now it's time to put it in the hands of a professional. Um, you know, similar like rehab in the shoulder. You know, I did everything I could to to play with the injury. You know, at some point I needed to put my shoulder in the arms of a professional, and they were able to kind of do the job. And I'm hoping that Golf Tech's going to do the job this Monday. Yeah. So now you're back. You're at full health. Now you're just working on the healthier swing. And aren't we all? It's exactly it. Oh, got to get stronger, oh. too. You know, it's just like, got to hit the gym. Got to start working out, not for the mortality benefit, but for, like, the actual distance that you get driving the, driving the golf ball. I mean, like, an actual workout regimen that's, spe- you know, specifically for golf. Damn, so you're going all in. Yeah, no, I need it all. You're, I need you're every— ready. You're ready? Every benefit that I could possibly get to make me shave a stroke off, I need. Golf tech, workout regimen. How about the diet? Are we going to work on the diet? 
I'd consider steroids. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, HGH steroids. Um, the diet, see the diet's tough, right? Because, you know, Bryson kind of proved you got to be a big guy. So, uh, you know, John Daly can drive the golf ball. Bryson, they're bigger guys. You know, there's no need to kind of lose weight here. If anything, you got to stack it on. Yeah, that could definitely, definitely can't hurt. You can play Bryson ball out there. Um, not that anybody wants to, to be like that guy, you know, <laughs> personality wise, but I guess if you want to match the ball, you can, you can follow that path. Yeah. See what happens. Now, I do want to talk about the Olympic golf. Um, I don't know if you had an opportunity to watch any of it. No, no. I, uh, I mean, I've seen the updates on like Instagram and the internet and what Shawley won gold. The only thing I want to say about Olympic golf is there's nobody more fitting to win Olympic golf gold medal than Xander Shoffley. Why is that? No fans, nobody watching, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> and that stiff somehow rolls that putt in. That guy, I've lost more money on that guy in major tournaments than any other golfer out there. And now during the Olympics, that's the time he decides to grow his spine. The guy is unbelievably terrible in the big moment. Could you could you wager on the Olympic golf? I, I you know I've been a little out of pocket the last few weeks. I didn't didn't take a look at DraftKings. Yeah, it was all on there. Um, I personally did not bet on Shoffley. Um, of course it's, not. You know that's why you're so and, pissed off. Yeah, and of course, like you know, I'm not going to go out and bet on another guy, you know, playing golf for another another nation, right? So the option was either bet on Shoffley and lose your money, or you know, bet on somebody else, and uh, you know, almost be like a Benedict Arnold type. Didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't wager anything for the golf. And it was gold, silver, bronze, and it's just like one guy each, and it, well, it was all stroke play. No idea. Didn't watch it. Just saw Shoffley roll in the last putt. That's and it. Thought it was outrageous. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I feel like he's always kind of in the mix in the majors, but he never, never gets it done. Although he's, he's still choke, like, he's a choke artist. He's still kind of young, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, but he's in his late twenties, I think. But he's 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 a he's a validated choke artist. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. He. Uh, what was the Masters? He was. Didn't uh, Hideki come off like a bogey or a double on like 15, that par five at the Masters? And then I think Shoffley might have been down one. He had a chance to get back in it at 16 at that par three. And Matsuyama, I think he hit the green, but it was like there was not a shot in hell that he was going to birdie it. He had a tough two putt, and then Shoffley comes up and just puts it in the drink. And then after the fact, he tells everybody that he hit it exactly how he wanted to and that the wind picked up. Is that, isn't that what he said? Something along those lines. You know, I really, those are the types of guys where, you know, if you tell me that you executed a shot or you executed a play exactly how you wanted to, and it not only did it didn't work, like the worst possible outcome occurred. I don't want you in my corner. I don't want you on my team. You know, I just think that that's just such a loser mentality. Oh, I did what I had to do. Well, you hit it in the drink, so you clearly didn't do what you had to do. Like, that's well, the bottom it's, line. It's like the type of guys who say, I wouldn't do anything different. Well, you should, because the outcome stunk. Yeah, you lost. <laughs> it's like Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. Like, oh, yeah, I, w- I would have called the same play. Why? Why? And, and the ball off. Yeah, we executed it great. Their guy just made a play. That's, a, that's in essence, what Xander Shopley said at the Masters. Their guy made a play. And before we move to some Phillies talk, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. I can tell you, when I go to the shore, I never remember to stop off at the pharmacy to buy sunscreen, and I always end up looking like Larry the Lobster. With Shamrock Sun, I'll be getting their big-ass bottles of sunscreen delivered right to my door via subscription. You can buy a single bottle or get it delivered every month, every three months, every six months, or even just once a year. Think about how many times you've had to run out for sunscreen, or even worse, gone without it. The legacy sunscreen companies, aka Big Sunscreen, make tiny tubes that always seem to give out at the worst time. That doesn't need to happen anymore. 
So here's what to do. Go to www.shamrocksun.com and pick up a bottle of their sunscreen. Even if it's just a once per year subscription, use promo code SHADE. That's S-H-A-D-E in all caps for 10% off. Now back to the show. I watched some of the Phillies game today. I just think it's hilarious that they traded Spencer Howard, who was apparently, what, their top pitching prospect for the last few years, and they just traded him. And what did they get? They like they beat, they got that one starter who pitched today, that Gibson guy. Um, and then they, they picked up, I think, Ian Kennedy. Isn't that, didn't that guy used to start somewhere and actually be kind of good? But now he's like old and he's a reliever. For some reason, I think he played for the Yankees. Um, he started as a, I think, as a Yankee. Uh, you know, and you never know. Like every Yankee starting pitcher is like so overhyped. Um, you know, simply because they pitched for the Yankees. But I believe he had some decent years early in his career um, with the Yankees. Maybe about ten or fifteen years ago, actually. I think he's been around a while, which is why the the Howard trade just seems so odd. Gibson's in his early 30s, um, and Kennedy's no spring chicken either. Yeah, and I, they made a couple couple moves. I don't know which one Howard was involved in, but it's not like we got anything substantial or like any big name or anything back. Like we just got some pitching depth, and Freddie Alves is back. Yeah, as if that's going to fix something. <laughs> you know, the guy, the guy couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag, and. Uh, you know, but he sure can field. Glad to have him back. Yeah, as he if, was. You know, as if like the 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 uh, illustrious bat of Didi Gregorius coupled with the glove of Freddie Galvis is going to lead us to the promised land. Yeah, like just absolutely pathetic. Freddie was supposed to be the next J roll. Yeah, they really made him out to be. You know, um, well, he was supposed to be the stopgap between J roll and J P Crawford. And, oh my gosh. Uh, that's another guy they sold low on. Yeah, it sounds like that's all they they really do, and that's certainly like kind of how this deadline feels. And then whatever they consider themselves buyers, they make these moves. You go up your top prospect, you get a couple depth guys, and uh, you stroll into Pittsburgh to face the worst team in baseball, and you you lose the first two games on Friday and Saturday, and then I think they won fifteen to four today. So they at least redeemed themselves a little bit, but like, you know, I mean, it was they won fifteen to four, and it was a bad fifteen to four, like blunder after blunder, base yeah. running error after base running error. Yeah, they're not a good team. They're they're really not, and it's like you want you want people to get behind you, and you know, as a Philly fan, all of our teams kind of suck. So you want something to get excited about, and you know, it feels like the Phillies are buying. What do they do? They after they buy or so-called by, they go to Pittsburgh and, and loot, drop the first two to the worst team in baseball. Like, just doesn't get me excited, man. Yeah, and I mean, the blind, the blind, uh, you know, Phillies supporters, you know, they look at this, they go, oh, we're still three and a half out. Well, you should have swept the worst team in baseball. Um, it's just, it's pathetic to go out there and lose two out of three and then have to salvage a getaway game. Yeah, and like you said, it it, it really wasn't wasn't pretty you got Bohm and harper getting in in pickles and i think it was like later in the game they're up eight one and harper almost got caught between second and third again on the ground ball to like third base um but the guy just threw it to first like immediately but harper was shaking his head after it's like well what are we doing and you know everybody gave kapler such a hard time um not that i was a fan of his or, or not a fan. Like I've just been indifferent about the Phillies for the, the longest time now. Cause they've just been like irrelevant. Um, and then they bring in Girardi, like he's the second coming of Jesus. And he has a world series to his name, but it was with a stacked ass Yankees team. Like, so what has that guy really done? And in what, two thirds of the season that we're through, what is, what has he shown us right now? I mean, they just moved, um, What's his face? Suarez, Ranger Suarez, to the bullpen or to the starting rotation to be like the fifth spot when he's one of your best relievers. Um, so I, I, I don't know. A lot of questionable stuff going on. In-game blunders. He's messing with Max Scherzer 
and uh, you know the the whole substance thing and making that a big deal. Like, hey, buddy, let's just let's just play ball, win some games, put a lineup together, and you know keep keep our nose to the grindstone. That's that's what we like in Philly. And I you know I haven't gotten all the warm and fuzzy about Girardi so far. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, he's brought in as kind of this World Series winning manager. And, you know, to your point, how hard is it to roll out a three-man rotation in the playoffs with Mariano Rivera in the back end of your bullpen? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, with uh, Sabathia, Burnett, and Pettit, you know, it's, it's not really a, uh, you know, a great tactician, right? Like It's like the most simple move you could possibly make as a manager. Any fan would have done the same thing. He comes over to Philly. He's been out of baseball, and it's just you know, I, I just I don't know that the guy. I don't know that the guy has a good feel for either coaching the fundamentals or like infusing the fundamentals into into today's players, um, which is weird because he was a catcher, obviously as a player, and you know obviously managed some of the greatest players of all time and A Rod, Jeter, Rivera, Posada. You know, you would think some of those lessons would filter into this team, and they just play stupid baseball. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. You know the certain games that I do, it's uh, it's not pretty, and that's what that's what makes it like unwatchable for me. So, you know, we'll see how these big these big buyer moves pay off. See if we can chase down a red October. I just don't get why you can't bring up a couple young kids and see if they can catch lightning in a bottle. Like, like how much more do we need to see of a Dubal Herrera to know like what he is? Like, I mean. Thankfully, Jankowski played in center today, and I thought had a nice game. Um, kind of like his approach. He's had some boneheaded plays, but I kind of like his approach at the plate. Chokes up, hits the ball the other way, and uh, you know seems to seems to know when to lay one down and try to keep the defense not, defense honest. But uh, you know, I'd like to see some other guys come up and maybe you know either provide a lift or when the rosters expand, maybe provide a bat off the bench. Um, anything, you know, really. Yeah, I'm just, I'm honestly just curious, like, who do we have? I really don't know. I know Howard was like the big prospect and he's not a bat, but he's gone and I don't know how, how you build a farm system in, in baseball, but the Phillies well, they don't know clearly either. can't do it. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably why I don't know because the team that I root for doesn't know either, but. You know, you had you had Kingery, and you, you gave him all the money in the world, and he's sitting in the minors. Probably might not, you know, make it back to the show. Um, that Maton guy, Mickey Moniak, he was like a top pick. I mean, where are these guys at? He was a one-one. He wasn't a top pick. He was a one-one guy. That's what I thought. Well, it's funny, you know, this year, right? I mean, you, you want to talk about one of the most loaded draft classes out there. Yeah, and the Phillies take an 18-year-old kid in the form of Andrew Painter, and um, you know, it just seems like a very—I don't know—for a team that that claims that they're doing everything they can to win now. Like I know, I know the like the farm system's in, in disarray and really needs replenishing, but you know, you, you just traded your you know one of your top prospects for a back-end arm and a you know middle of the road reliever just now because you want to win this year and you know why wouldn't you take a college pitcher that maybe can get to the majors in two years or a year and a half you know like nola um that kid bednar from mississippi state who was nails in the college world series was available and you know you're taking an 18 year old kid out of florida because you like the way he projects in 10 years it just yeah, like it boggles the project mind. Yeah, we 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 tend to draft guys that are that are projects. It seems like we we try to outsmart everybody and whatnot, and we're not outsmarting anyone because we're not winning shit. Um, you don't get extra points drafting a guy who's like, um, you know, uh, maybe less projectable or more of a diamond in a rough or younger. You don't you don't get extra bonus points when that guy's in the bigs versus the other guy. Enough on the fills. The Fightins. We're talking about the Fightins, man. That video never gets old. Uh, it's just, you know, that team, it's like the, the, the fans who were, who were left going down there. Um, are sweating their balls off, number one. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I feel like the fans who stuck with this franchise, 
after they hung on to their World Series core way too long, then completely gutted their team in the name of rebuild. Then you're forced to watch these guys like Pavetta and Eflin and all, you know, the whole deal. And uh, the other goofy looking guy who looked like a thumb, Alec Asher and the like, all these guys who were just absolute stiffs. You know, if you if you actually are tuning into these games and like think that this team is any different than any of those other teams, which were awful, you're a fool. And I feel like the types of people that are still hanging on every pitch with this Phillies team are, are the processor types. They're the, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're one player away. You're not. The organization is a total failure. Yeah, I mean, how are you one player away when you're, you know, you're sub 500 and, you know, the biggest celebration that we've had all season, or, you know, biggest accomplishment is like, Every time we we get back to 500, like that's not one player away. I mean, gee, at the All Star break, they were touting the strength of schedule in the second half of the year, saying that the Eagles or the Phillies are going to play the uh, easiest schedule, as if it's like a football team. I've never heard that before in a baseball season. We have the easiest schedule the rest of the way, half of the year. What and that you know they were saying like that obviously that would bode well for the Phillies. They couldn't beat Brooklyn American Legion. <laughs> they play down to their damn competition is what they do. Yeah, it's bad. They are uh, they are certainly not one player away, and I don't know. I'm 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 almost like out of t- out of touch with it. Like I don't know how how people are hanging on and convincing themselves that we're one player away or we're three and a half games out. Like we're we're like fifty two and fifty three. Is like a hundred games, not enough of a sample size to to know what we are, and not only a hundred games. It's been this has been the song and dance for the last, you know, what five, seven, eight years. Well, you know, Kapler's years here were, it was that's who they were. They were five hundred team, right? And um, certainly they were worse before that, and they they spent some money on Harper, Real Muto, more recently, but. Um, yeah, this is who they are. They're a mediocre team. And, you know, the new thing is now is, you know, folks wanting uh, wanting Cole Hamels back, um, you know, as if, as, if, as if it's like 2008. I mean, it's 2021. Yeah, he's he's old, obviously, now. Uh, but that that's that's the Philly way. Like anybody that performs well in Philly, like you have a free pass to come back and secure another bag, even if you blow ass, you know, for like – an additional like two years like you could be 40 years old 45 years old oh you you were good in 2005 why don't you come back you know run it back bring it back take our money let us convince our fans to buy a couple more tickets you know we just get jobbed all the time i'll tell you who they should consider bringing back as like a fifth fifth starter it's not it's not hamels um you know i'm thinking of, of another lefty on that team and at this point, just dust off the corpse that is Jamie Moyer. <laughs> you know, I have no doubt he'd be able to go out there and give a six stroll. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he threw hard when he was in the league, so he probably still throws throws that seventy six mile an hour like fastball, pain corners. Dust him off, get him out there. I enjoyed watching him actually. He uh, he didn't he didn't have the best stuff. Like he would either get shelled or he would just like paint corners. It just depended on the day and like the umpire. But well, he, he actually battled. He battled. Yeah, he battled. He knew how to pitch. He pitched. It wasn't like these guys now, you know, these driveline guys that are all about just, uh, you know, max velo, elevating a fastball. They don't care where it goes. Just uh, throw it as hard as possible and light up the, uh, you know, light up the radar gun. And the Phillies actually don't have many of those guys, but they do exist. Vinny Velo. That guy is the. <laughs> The biggest fraud, no, not the biggest fraud. He's just the biggest stiff there is. Um, the fact that that mediocrity has been allowed to go out there and start as many games in a Phillies uniform as he's been allowed to start, is it, that's like borderline malpractice as a manager and owner. Yeah, I don't know why they keep trotting him out there. I, th- I thought I heard something during the game today that his last 11 starts, his ERA is like over eight. I mean – if you threw me out there enough, I could pitch like one good game out of a hundred, but you wouldn't keep trotting me out there. But they got to think. <laughs> they got to think for Vinny, I guess, just because he throws hard. He's tall and he throws hard. 
And he argues yeah. with he argues with a, a way, opposing fans when he's when he's getting on the bus <laughs> that Tommy's a stiff. I think there's I think those are Phillies fans. <laughs> Were they? Yeah. That's great. Even better. Let's move along. Eagles open training camp. I don't know how you feel about the season. I don't have high hopes, but I'm actually excited to watch this team and watch somebody other than, than Carson Wentz quarterback this team. I'm I'm really curious to see what Hurts has. Um, not that it's the most ideal situation for him, but at least we got Devonta Smith and Goddard, Zach Hurts, apparently sticking around. So I'm pumped. I think they'll they'll kind of blow. They might be good if the O line doesn't get absolutely decimated by injury like every other year. So that, that's probably what'll happen. Um, but I feel like if if the O line and the D how many wins stay kind of healthy, uh, they could be competitive. Uh, number of wins, I don't know. I they're think playing 17 this year. They're playing 17. I I don't know what the the Vegas over under is. I feel like it's around eight. I think it's below that. Six, six and a half. It might be six and a half. They really think they're going to be that bad, huh? Let's see. Because their schedule is kind of favorable. I mean, they have a couple tough games, but they have a last six and a half. schedule, right? Six and a half. I'm going over. I'm going over six and a half. They're not going to be that bad, but they're not going to be good. Wow. So how um, many wins? Seven? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we table a game by game for like right before the season. That's fine, but I need the I need a total. You need a total. I'll give I'll do the game by game, but I need a total. Right now on on August first, twenty twenty one, seventeen games. I'll go eight wins. Eight wins. What do you got? What do you got for me? How are we feeling? Um, I mean, I know how you're feeling about the the quarterback situation, and let's uh, let's let's kind of save the the origin of all that for the end of, of the Eagles discussion. But how, how are we feeling about the birds as uh, are, are you still holding season tickets or what? <clears throat> still have the season tickets. You know, I feel, uh, feel good. I feel, you know, obviously sad about Doug and how all that went down and how he was kind of sacrificed by, uh, by 11 uh, on the way out the door. Yeah. But I let feel me good. Just, uh, let, let me jump in and just say, this is a, a pro Doug podcast. We are pro Doug. And Doug, we trust. Um, R.I.P. Doug. R.I.P. Doug. Yeah. No, I I do feel good about Sirianni. I feel like he's a young guy. You know, can connect with the players. Has a lot of energy. You know, just in some of the stuff we've seen coming out of training camp. You know, it looks like he rolls up his sleeves, particularly with the receivers, which has been um, obviously one of the biggest issues with our team over recent years. Um, so I think that's promising. You know, obviously in the NFL, the team goes as the quarterback goes. And I think no team in the NFL has done more to upgrade their quarterback room than the Philadelphia Eagles this year. You know, bringing in Nick Mullins, subtracting 11, bringing in Flacco. Hurts, obviously, another year. Um, new coach, new, new offense, hopefully one that relies a bit more on running the football. I think they're going to maul teams. I think the offensive line is going to be healthy. Um, obviously, that's a big if. But when you look at their backfield, you look at Hertz, look at some of the things they're going to be able to do creatively with read option, and then obviously some of the speed they have on the outside, and uh, clearly the tight ends. Hopefully with Hertz coming back, I mean I think this is a team that can they can put up some points, and then it just comes down to what does this new defensive scheme look like, and do, do the players on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball stay healthy? Uh, I, I see this team winning eleven games and winning the division. You're going eleven games and the division. 11 and 6. Wow. And a home playoff game with a win at home. Write it down. Write that down right now. I love that. I would love to see that. I definitely think the offense can be interesting with, I mean, Sanders certainly flashes. He has flashes. And then he also has really bad flashes where he drops, you know, easy swing passes or he tries to like bump around outside when there's a gaping hole, you know, in the middle of the field. But I think the talent's there, so hopefully they can get him going a little more consistently. And then I like the uh, I like that guy Ke- Kenny Kenneth Gainwell uh, out of Memphis, that other running back. So I think we could see some 
yep. two, two running back sets with him. He torched Penn State in the uh, the Cotton Bowl with Memphis. That was like a shootout. Penn State ended up winning, but uh, Gainwell had a huge game against them. He's, uh, I think he's pretty talented. So that's that's a nice addition. Can't wait to see Devonta Smith. Rager, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we we could go on and on about how we we've missed on wide receiver draft picks. But uh, I think Rager is another big question mark, and I think honestly that's being being kind of generous. I feel like he's on a short leash. If he's not producing in like the first five seven games, you know, people are going to be he's going to he be culprit the, number one. He failed the conditioning test. I mean, just pathetic. Yeah, I read that, and they were saying how we just lost a close friend and whatnot. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I did. sure what that, um, you know, in all fairness, I did not hear that. But I'm not sure what that has to do with your ability to run like a 40 yard dash or whatever it is these guys do. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think I think he lost the friend kind of recently, like with, within the last few weeks or maybe month. But, you know, after the se- after the rookie season, you just had you would think this guy is you got to be ready to go is ready to go. You have and, to be ready to go. And it doesn't sound like he is, but who knows? Maybe he'll get to a place where he is ready to go because we do know that preseason means very little in the NFL. I'll tell you the move I like, obviously, the the quarterback move, the additions by subtraction that occurred in that room. But the uh, I think the move that's going under the radar here is the uh, at running back. You talked a little bit about Gainwell. Obviously, Sanders is back. Scott's shown the ability to, to be uh, – in the very least serviceable, but the fact that they were able to get this carry on Johnson off of waivers from the, uh, from the lions, you know, 24 years old, had a, had a pretty solid career at Auburn and, uh, is more of a, you know, obviously a bigger back. And I think they're trying to recapture some of that, uh, some of that juice that they lost with LeGarrette Blunt. I think that was the recipe in 2017, right? You, uh, pound the ball early, get up, you know, throw it around the yard a little bit and then pound the ball late. And uh, they just kind of wore teams down that year. Yeah, they did. That guy's a truck. I, I honestly kind of forgot about him. So that is that's a good element to have in the offense, like you said. Try to grind, grind some teams down, and then you know, get them huffing and puffing, and then hit them with with whatever you got in the deep passing game, or or just continue to grind on them. And it's all going to come down to the offensive line, man. Because I think we don't have. Uh, I wouldn't say we have elite players at the skill positions on offense, but I think we have elite offensive linemen that just always get hurt. So if that unit can stay healthy, they'll be in. I think they'll be in good shape. Who starts the left tackle week one? Uh, I would say Jordan Malata. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Didn't wasn't Dillard like strictly right tackle or he was strictly left tackle strictly left he tried to play right the the game lane was out and he said it was like learning a different language yeah <laughs> that that's a little concerning buddy like it's just it's just football like that just shows to Block me the guy in front of you yeah you kind of lack like the mental capacity to just switch sides which maybe is understandable at, like some levels of football but like this is the league, man. Like you should understand the game from every angle, position, and to be like cowering out like that right away is not a good sign to me, right? Like you want a guy on your team that wants to do anything to help the team win, and if you're not versatile and you know willing to try to learn at least, I, I can't help you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm 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 less down on Dillard and more up on my lot. I mean, it's like hard to believe. I mean, the guy started playing football three years ago. I think he's he's still only 24. Yeah, and, he, uh, he played well last year. He did play well, and and I'm hearing uh, obviously out of camp from what we're reading is that he's in the best shape of his life, and that's coming from a guy that can move and could you know is a big mountain of a man can move people. Yeah, he's and, giant. Uh, I just think. Uh, I think that's going to be a refreshing sight to see somebody because, you know, obviously we had Peters who was often injured recently and, you know, kind of late, latter parts of his, his career to be able to, you know, kind of lock down that left tackle position and have a guy who's that athletic, that strong, that big. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be a nice sight and a refreshing sight for Eagles fans. 
Yeah, it's one of the most important positions on the field. Left tackle, protecting the blind side. And it it has been tough to watch Peters, you know, fizzle out kind of at the end of his his career because he was a beast for a time, but the guy would play like one snap a game and then just be holding an ice pack on his leg on the sideline. <laughs> like, and nothing against him. You know, I like JP, but, you know, the fact of the matter is he was on this team for the last two or three years because he was friends with the owner. Yeah, yeah. It's just another prime exam- example of like – you did good things for us. Let us continue to spoil you, even though you can't play anymore. Yep. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they're not bringing him back like in five years, like they would with somebody else. I think. I think he's. We'll done. see if they get through camp. He's, yeah. he's still. Might, he still might be needed. Yeah, you know how he's got his number, right? I know Lori does. Yeah, but I guess you know back 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 to our original point, and and you know probably the biggest uh, shakeup of the offseason was the departure of the polarizing guy from North Dakota, Carson Wentz. So, so you had alluded to it earlier, you know, the departure of 11. I, I know you have strong feelings about, about this man and chatting with you over the years and, you know, continuing to watch the way this guy plays and the way this guy acts. I mean, give me a, uh, you know, a short, summary of kind of how how did we get to to the point of of releasing our 130 million dollar man and why are we happy about it well they traded him right they didn't release him but the point being why we're happy about it i mean the guy was an absolute (laughs) locker room cancer big me guy i think that was evident coming out of the super bowl obviously the super bowl year he had a great year ended an injury in los angeles what happened after that was inexcusable you know, the fact that he uh, that he rushed back on his timetable, not the teams. You know, the beginning of that following year, Foles was left to throw to nobody. Kamar Aiken, Perkins, I believe, was an option. Nobody, literally had nobody to throw to. And and uh, Wentz rushes back after, I believe, two or three games. I think he came back in that Colts game, which, interestingly enough, they should have lost, but Andrew Luck fell over on the last play of the game uh, to turn the ball over. But, yeah, I mean, this guy, uh, this guy Wentz, uh, 11 now, two, it's 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 great that he's gone, and uh, I just I, I couldn't be happier that he left because he he turned into a me guy. Everything after the Super Bowl was about his ego, nothing about the team. It was about acquiescing the star quarterback, and the guy was never a star quarterback after that injury. So I think uh, you know it was it was it was sick. What he did to Doug, it was sick. What he did to Hertz after Hertz, uh, you know, what first start? There's stuff getting released the day of the game about how the Carson Wentz camp is unhappy, and uh, the fact that this guy didn't talk to the media before he head out of town, you know, no different than Jim Irsay packing the bags and heading for Indianapolis back in 1984 from Baltimore in the middle of the night. You know, birds of a certain flock or a, cer- a certain feather, I should say, you know. Um, so this guy darts out of town without even talking to the media, without even taking accountability for getting his Super Bowl winning head coach fired. And he goes out to Indianapolis. And the first thing he does on his rehab tour, I should say his his, uh, you know, his uh, identity rehab tour, his uh, his reputation rehab tour is he goes over to Pat McAfee, obviously a former Colt. And he's over there in March talking about how rejuvenated he is, how excited he is sickening didn't want to even touch on the things that occurred in philadelphia that's the past that's the past you know no no talk about the hundred million dollar bag that the guy has but he's all you know looking forward with indianapolis his type of town they want a training camp obviously this guy uh is talking with stacy dales the nfl network talking about how great it is to be practicing in such an area where there's so much farmland and it's great for his family it's family friendly as if like uh, what philadelphia is not family friendly yeah, we tr- we must have treated this guy so poorly. I mean, it's disgusting the way he talks about Indianapolis in comparison to Philadelphia. And literally a day later, he's out, injury. So the glass man is injured again. And you hear Eagles fans obviously complaining about the uh, the pick. For me, I'm not worried because uh, let, the Colts, let the Colts take that cap hit next year. He's off our books. He's out of our minds. I don't care what the pick is. Addition by subtraction. The guy was an absolute bum. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really well put. And you talk about the pick. I mean, regardless of what happens, we get a second-round pick. 
And a second in the NFL is a good pick. I mean, a first is obviously better, but like, I don't think it's it's life and death. Obviously, you know, in Philadelphia, we dramatize and and pump everything up to be more than it needs to be. But I think the more important part of the deal is that he's no longer here. You know, we I guess we we paid it off, or or, or is he still on our books, or how's that exactly uh, working? We take the cap hit this year. They're not paying a dime to this guy, but we do take the cap hit. And then he's off the books next year. So um, that money gets freed up in the form of uh, salary cap bucks. But, yeah, an important distinction, they're not paying this guy. I mean, the Colts are paying this guy. It's just uh, dead cap money. So, you know, as a, as a season ticket holder, it's, it's comforting to know that my money that I'm paying to Jeff Lurie is not going to Carson Wentz. Your hard-earned money is no longer going to, to uh, John Deere – or uh bobcat tractors you know bobcat um, mm-hmm. yeah the uh i mean obviously his play declined and and you know all those things transpired and you talked about how you know he talked up indianapolis as family friendly and such a great environment and you know how it kind of demonstrated that he you know didn't feel that philadelphia treated him right well we shipped off our our super bowl mvp quarterback and, and signed you to to a mega deal you know a year early by the way yeah a year early but i guess i guess that's not good enough treatment for a kid from north dakota and and the other thing that really bothered me at the end of last season not just the fact that he you know didn't didn't address the media at all like you look at all the sports and all the teams and whether they make the playoffs or miss the playoffs you know, you always hear from the coaches and management and the players at the end of the season. Obviously, 11 was nowhere to be found, except for on Instagram. You found him on Instagram, you know, wearing his camo out in the woods. He's got a couple ducks or, or bucks or whatever the hell he's hunting for with his dogs. And he's posting about finding a little late season magic in December. And he's not talking about football. He's talking about hunting. I mean, is that not like a slap in the face to you as a fan? Because I certainly felt that way. I totally agree. It's clear the guy, <clears throat> you know, the guy treats football like a job. That's why I'm excited about Jalen Hurts. He treats it like it's life and death. You know, you see the stuff that Jalen Hurts puts out on his Instagram, totally different than Carson Wentz. Hashtag rare breed, hashtag untamed, hashtag booby miles. You all want to win, put booby in. I'm so happy we got 11 out of town. The guy was a fraud. The guy... Basically, you know, they talked about him being Ginger Jesus when he came to Philadelphia. This guy was Ginger Judas. <laughs> he kissed us on the cheek and we were executed for the sins of humanity. It's disgusting that this guy was was thought of as the the savior for Philadelphia sports when we had our savior right here, looking like a humble man of this earth in Nick Foles. Amen. Literally, yeah. amen. Seriously. It's uh, but no, it's 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 it is refreshing. I mean, I know social media is only a part of a guy's persona and and whatnot, but I feel like it's it's easy to see that Hertz is is a dog. I mean, you played for Nick Saban, you got benched, you watched Tua throw that pass to Devonta Smith against Georgia to win the Natty, and you know he wasn't sulking. The guy goes to Oklahoma, lights it up. He's a Heisman finalist, just keeps doing his thing and. Now he's our guy, so we're gonna see what we got. And I'm, I am. Wait, he he came it. back. He came back to Alabama. The next year. Then he went to Oklahoma. He wasn't like Wentz, where he he picked up his ball and went home. He did one more year at Alabama. He came back, graduated early, and then took his extra year at Oklahoma. So, what does that tell you about a guy's character? Let me ask you this: Indianapolis's GM Chris Ballard. Right. Let's assume that there's no such thing as trade deadlines, cap, the whole thing. If Carson Wentz was on the Eagles roster today with this foot injury, would he still do the deal? Absolutely not. So then I don't want to hear about the first and the second. Yeah. We robbed the Indianapolis Colts. This guy stinks when he's on the field, and he won't even be on the field for half of the games. That's so true. It is such a relief. I mean, you know, like you said, the cap hit this year. Is, it is what it is. But like, were we looking to go all in this year? Did we? Could we have used more cash space? Sure. But you know, 
Lurie even said after this last season, like they're looking at a little more of a long-term plan or like a mid-term plan, and they're, they're not they're not going all in. So they don't need every penny right now. And uh, obviously Wentz's contract and cap hit is way more than, than pennies on the books, but it's it's just good to have his aura and his presence out of that, that locker room because you know it was no good. I mean, think about this time next year. We could either be, <clears throat> we could either be, you know, Jalen Hurts coming into his what third year, second year as a starter. You know, if that happens, he obviously will have had to have shown some promise this year, and we'll have all that money deployed throughout the rest of the roster. The other thing that's nice is if he doesn't play well this year, I mean, the the Eagles are going to be drafting at the top of the draft, and they're going to have multiple assets to kind of go in and take another guy if they need one. So, I mean, I think they're in a good, a good place. This is obviously a transition year. You know, I think Hertz can, can, can do the job. He can win the job, but bottom line is they're out from that albatross of a contract and they're out from that, you know, totally loser personality that is 11. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So I guess we'll round it out with that. Um, Evander Kane. Forward for the San Jose Sharks is in the thick of it with his wife, who has made allegations that he bet on his own games and has intentionally tried to lose for gambling profit. And the claims are are now being investigated by the NHL. The wife made a bunch of posts on Instagram. Vander Kane took to Twitter to respond, saying how he never gambled or bet on hockey or a Sharks game never bet or gambled on any of his games and never thrown a hockey game. You know, so he's he's out there proactively trying to clear his name uh, against the advice of his lawyers, I believe. I think they, they had asked him to kind of stay on the low about it. So this whole thing reeks to me. You know, I, I believe Evander Kane owed a, a Las Vegas casino like 500 grand for, for debt he owed from time he spent there in a during a playoff series so i mean a guy that's out blowing 500k regardless of how much money you have uh at a las vegas casino during a playoff series it's not like the off season like you're in the midst of, of the nhl playoffs and battling for the stanley cup with your teammates and you're out there owing owing money to a casino uh that just doesn't sound like a good good situation to be in um, well, look, I mean, to you, it <laughs> sound good, but like these guys, I'm sure they're they're provided with a line of credit. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that when you know Jordan was playing, um, that he was spending a lot of time in the casinos. You know, clearly, sure. the sport sports gambling wasn't as as obviously uh, accessible as it is today, nor was it you know really legal. So. Um, I think that's the big the big question right now, obviously, with the allegations. I mean, she she wasn't just saying, like, he was gambling on the Sharks. She was saying he was actively throwing games, which is crazy. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me because it's pretty hard to throw a hockey game as one guy, unless maybe you're the goalie, right? Like, if you're the goalie, you, you know, you can open up the five hole at a couple squeak through or you know, whatever, but you're, you're one of, uh, 18 skaters for the night. And also you're in the locker room at intermission and, you know, you're not pulling your weight. You're definitely hearing about it. So I find it hard to believe that, that the guy is throwing, throwing games as, as one man in a 20 man unit on a given night. But you could pick your spots though, G you could pick your spots. No doubt. You could turn a puck over. You could lose an edge quote unquote. I feel like I feel like there's going to have to be some serious film review of uh, of some Sharks games. To the, see. Other, the other wrinkle here is this guy uh, declared bankruptcy in January. Yes. I mean, he was twenty seven million in debt. And I know he signed a big mega deal. Couple that with kind of the allegations at the Cosmopolitan with this uh, debt that he owed. And now the, you know, the soon to be ex-wife. I mean, any way you slice it, it doesn't look good. Clearly, the guy has not managed his money well. And when you do not manage your money well, it, it gets you put in precarious situations. So, you know, clearly, obviously, these are allegations. The NHL is going to look into it. But um, when you're up against it, people will do crazy stuff, man. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Yeah, he signed a $50 million deal, $49 million deal. 
a few years back, and he filed bankruptcy. That just that's just bizarre. I also thought I read, you know, that he had mistreated his wife and his and his kid. Uh, whether that was physical, the whole situation just doesn't sound good. But I'm curious. Yeah, and you just you just never know too in like the context of a, a divorce, especially with when kids are involved and custody. You know, obviously not a lawyer, but uh, you know, to the extent the waters can be muddied and custody situations might be able to be, you know, I don't know, exploited. Who, who knows? You know, I think obviously these are pretty serious allegations, but. You know, we'll see if the uh, commissioner whose last name Bettman has the ability to kind of investigate because it's like that's a little <laughs> bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, right. No, that's a good point, though. You know, people will throw every punch they can uh, in situations like this. It also doesn't really ring uh, especially great to me that the, the wife or the soon-to-be ex-wife is posting this stuff on Instagram stories. Like, you feel like most... Most people would want to handle that business kind of in private and, and with their lawyers and leave it to the parties involved, but kind of getting, yep. getting the entire social media world involved and just putting them on blast to the entire internet is kind of bizarre as well. So, And by the way, like to, to your point, who, there's no way she could have possibly you know consulted her, her lawyers because you look at the contract that this guy signed. And uh, the allegations that he's up against, I mean, forget about alimony, forget about like any like child support, right? I mean, Pete Rose is banned from baseball. Shoeless Joe Jackson banned from baseball. Um, obviously, baseball is probably a sport that can be manipulated um, in such a way where it's maybe a little bit easier to kind of either do these types of things or bet on baseball. But like, you know, if he's found guilty, that contract's I'm sure gone. So, uh, you know, who knows what the what the um, the motive is, if it's true, it's it's crazy. If it's if it's not true and there's some other motivation behind it, it's still also crazy. Yeah, it's crazy regardless. But I'm sure that will take some time to unfold. I wonder how that will uh, if that'll affect. I mean, I would think it will obviously affect his, his playing status for the upcoming season. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got his union representatives involved. I mean, I don't know that you can suspend the guy based off of allegations alone. They're going to probably have to do some forensics. Uh, you know, I don't know what the what the league can and can't do in terms of like forensic accounting or otherwise. But um, I'd imagine, to your point earlier, there's going to be some film review and say, all right, like in the instance where a game was on the cut line for one way or the other puck line wise, you know, let's see where, where and when he operated on the ice and what the outcome was. That would be a fun, kind of a fun job to have. Don't you think? Yeah, it would, it would be, I mean, you'd have, I'd imagine you'd look at game puck line, right. And because he's not going to know the end games cause he's playing, right. The, the wager is going to be made before the game. So it's, you got to look at puck line and, uh, you're going to have to look at, at his shifts where, you know, kind of a game was in on the line. In the balance, yeah. He could also have been, like, texting his boys or, or say the allegations are true, like, you know, running something at intermission or on the bench. Like, who knows? On the bench is probably Yeah, you extreme. just never know. But in between periods, just communicating outside the locker room, who the hell knows? I think that would be, I think that would be tough, but... You know, you, you just don't know. And even, like, the gambling, to, to throw a game, there's no way he's logging into his Barstool, Barstool Sports book account as Evander Kane and wagering, like, $100,000, right? So, like, you almost need the sports books to pull out, all right, all the Sharks games. Where were these, like, crazy wagers coming from? And can you map it back to somebody that's in his social network? Yeah, it's all traceable now, right? Everything's traceable. You could go into a hit, look look at his Instagram and see who he follows and see if anybody made an outsized wager. Yeah, they'll they'll get to the bottom of it for sure. It'll be uh, be crazy to find out. I think that's all I got, man. I'm uh, I'm back home. Two weeks off. Two weeks vacation. 
and rejuvenated. Uh, I am rejuvenated, but it is Sunday night, you know. So the scaries, the scaries are creeping in, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna battle it out with some Outer Banks on Netflix. And is that uh, good? Should I start it? Dude, the show is ridiculous. It's uh, the second season just came out on like Friday. But it, it's a good watch. It's entertaining. It, but, you know, it's uh, pretty out of touch with reality, the way, like, shit conveniently happens. But it, it's funny. It's good. Is it reality or is it scripted? No, it's scripted. Wow. Outer Banks. Let's check it out. Yeah. But, no, nah, man, other than that, back to the grind tomorrow, back in the routine. And, you know, we'll, we'll live to see another day. That's it, man. That'll put a bow on episode one of Thoughts in the Shade. Thanks again for listening. Everybody have a great week. We'll catch you next time.